Drinking water is being shut off in all Detroit public schools because of high levels of copper and lead that were found in 16 of 24 recently tested buildings. The Bottled older the school, the more likely it is that it will test positive for lead. And we're here at Cleveland Court Elementary School in Lakeland. One the of parents of kids in the Bay Area's largest school district are getting a troubling message about lead in the water at some schools. Uh, Polk County school that. leaders, they have found lead in some Polk County schools, and this is now causing the district to test all 150 schools. Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. We just heard clips from news reports from around the country on the problem of lead in school drinking water. This week, we'll focus on the issue. EdSource has just published a three-part series called Tainted Taps, a special report on hazardous quantities of lead that have been found in water fountains and faucets in many schools throughout the state. California law now requires that all school fountains be tested by next year for lead in their water supply. Schools are required to shut down and fix the fountains with high quantities of lead. But the American Academy of Pediatrics says that federal and state standards for taking the lead out of the water are not strict enough. We'll talk with Dr. Jennifer Lowry from the Academy. But first, we're pleased to have Nico Savage, our EdSource reporter who worked on this story for several months. California has actually been quite assertive in trying to track down lead in drinking water in schools. In fact, it passed a law requiring every school to test its drinking water in buildings uh, built before 2010. Is that correct? That's right. So what is the problem then? California is one of only seven states plus the District of Columbia that requires schools to test their drinking water for lead. But as we looked into this law, what we found is that it has some fairly serious gaps that could potentially leave kids exposed. California's law only requires schools to take actions such as shutting down or replacing drinking fountains or sinks that test above 15 parts per billion of lead. That's the standard known as the action level from the federal government. But it's a standard that when you talk to pediatricians and folks like the American Academy of Pediatrics, they say has nothing to do with what amount of lead is safe. They say that lead can still be harmful at levels under 15 parts per billion. The federal standard for bottled water is five parts per billion, so much lower. We found that there are hundreds of schools in California, nearly 900 of them over the last two years, that have tested and found levels of lead in their drinking water between 5 and 15 parts per billion. So that means above the limit for bottled water, but not high enough that it triggers the requirements in the state law for schools to actually do something about it. Well, just to clarify, though, they're not required to do it under the law. And we will be talking with Dr. Jennifer Lowry from the American Academy of Pediatrics after we've talked with you to get more explanation for why the Academy feels that 15 parts per billion is too high. We also found some other problems with the law in areas where California's law requiring lead testing is not as strict as those in other states. California only requires schools to test one to five water sources at each school. And if you think about the size of a school, how many different drinking fountains and how many different sinks there are in that facility, one to five is at a lot of places going to be a small number of the total water sources in that building. I just have to ask you that. Why would you need to check all these different faucets if the water has high lead in it? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. And the reason is that the source of lead often in California school buildings is the individual sink faucets and the drinking fountain fixtures themselves. It is not typically 
uh, a result of lead in the piping throughout a school that results in every water source having high lead levels, or the case from Flint, right, where you had an entire municipal water supply that had high levels in it. That is not what you're typically seeing at California schools. In California, the issue that you're seeing is the actual drinking fountain itself or the sink itself. Those fixtures are made with material that includes some lead content, and when those begin to corrode, they can put lead into the water. So what we're seeing when we look at the results from schools across the state is that the lead levels often vary really widely from one water fountain to another. So if you test one water fountain, you might have lead in a very low level, and you can test another water fountain, it can be very, very high. Wow, that sounds like a huge challenge. I mean, big school probably has dozens of drinking fountains and sinks in the cafeterias and so on. That's true. But in other states, they've required schools to test every water source in there. And to your point, in Los Angeles Unified, which we'll probably talk about more in a little bit, they went out and tested every drinking water source at all of their schools. On average, they were testing 40 drinking water sources at each location. In testing that we found that has been done under this new state law, schools are on average only testing about four or five locations at each school. So that's a lot of places that aren't getting tested. Well, where are school districts getting the money from to do this testing? And how much does it cost? To the school districts themselves, under this new state law, nothing. Because water utilities, the local water providers, are required under state regulations to provide free lead testing to schools. That actually came before the state law. In 2017, there were changes to state water regulations that said, basically, if a school asks you to test their water, the water utility has to do that for free. The new state law came in from the other side and said, now schools are required to get this testing that's available for free. So the testing is free, at least for those handful of fixtures that are required to be tested under the law, but any sort of repairs that might be needed, those are on the schools to pay for those. So the remedy is to replace the fixture or water fountain, but Los Angeles has taken a different approach you wrote this week. That's right. And, and to be clear, Los Angeles Unified has replaced quite a lot of fixtures. They shut down quite a lot of fixtures. But that's a school district that has a long history when it comes to dealing with lead problems. They've spent over $30 million over the past decade to try to address lead issues. But they've also relied in a lot of cases on a strategy called flushing. That's a strategy where the district was directing school staff throughout Los Angeles to basically run the taps, run their water fixtures for 30 seconds each morning before students arrived to get rid of that water that had sat overnight. Now the district, using some of its extensive testing data that they've been doing over the last 10 years, reasoned that that would protect students by getting rid of the water that had, that had sat in those pipes overnight when it can really accumulate lead. But we talked with experts on the hazard of lead in drinking water who said that Los Angeles Unified was relying on that flushing strategy in some inappropriate cases. For instance, Los Angeles High School in central LA had four different water outlets that tested over 100 parts per billion. Remember, the federal limit is 15 parts per billion when water had been sitting overnight. But because they tested under 15 parts per billion after running the water for a little bit, the district said, those fixtures are safe, we'll keep them in use and we'll flush them. For nearly 10 years, the district essentially stuck with that strategy. They never retested the fixtures and they kept them in use and allowed students to continue to access water from them. And Elon Batanzo, who's a former EPA official who helped expose the water crisis in Flint, said that was really inappropriate, that anytime you have a fixture that tests that high, you shouldn't risk it by keeping it in use under the flushing program, as Los Angeles did. So we've been focusing on schools that are tested between 5 and 15, but they found schools with substantially higher levels, right? Not that many, but really hazardous 
We found that there were schools in Los Angeles Unified that as recently as earlier this year were testing far above the federal limit for lead in drinking water. There was an elementary school that tested at 10 times the limit, a middle school that tested at eight times the limit this past spring. But when we talked to parents, they said they had never been told about those test results. They had no idea that their students may have been drinking from those water fountains that tested with very high levels of lead. Well, what are the requirements for notifying parents under the law? California's new law basically says that any time a school has a lead level found over 15 parts per billion, it has to notify parents of that result. Now, that law went into effect on January 1st of this year, and we identified 29 schools in Los Angeles Unified where lead levels over that limit were found this year. There's no indication that the district actually took that step of notifying parents. LA Unified says it posts those results on its website, but those results are only available in English, and they're not a very easy part of the site to find. But there's a lack of clarity as to what notified means, because I guess the district is saying we put it on the website, so that's public information. So there may need to be some clarification or tweaking of that law. The law doesn't specify precisely how districts have to notify parents, but for instance, in Oakland Unified, we've seen that district send out letters to parents basically any time it does lead testing to say, here's what we found. And that's not a step that we've seen Los Angeles Unified take with its lead practices. Well, of course... L.A. is a massive district, hundreds of schools, and so uh, anything that they take on is going to be a huge logistical challenge. Anika, before we let you go, I understand Governor Brown signed a law this week that does deal with this issue. That's correct. Governor Brown signed a law that requires daycare centers to test their drinking water for lead, although there's going to be some delay in that because they have to get regulations in place for how to do the sampling. Those centers are going to have to start testing their water starting in 2020. Oh, well, that's very interesting because obviously large numbers of kids in these daycare centers, and I gather that young kids are particularly vulnerable. So that... That's right. Kids are more vulnerable the younger they are to lead. Well, thank you, Nico Savage, for your reporting on this important issue. Look forward to updates from you in the future. Thank you for having me. That was EdSource reporter Nico Savage. Up next, Dr. Jennifer Lowry from the American Academy of Pediatrics which feels that the current federal and state levels for lead are too lenient and should be much stricter. We're happy to have on the line Dr. Jennifer Lowry, who is Director of the Division of Pediatric Pharmacology, Toxicology, and Therapeutic Innovations at Children's Mercy in Kansas City. She also chairs the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Environmental Health. Dr. Lowry, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. The Academy has taken a position that the 15 parts per billion standard, which is a federal standard, and also the state standard in California requiring school districts to take action when they find lead in drinking water that's above 15 parts per billion. Why do you think that that standard is too high? Well, that standard is actually many decades old. It is a standard that was set by the EPA almost about 40 years ago. And the level is not a health-based standard. It's a feasibility standard. 
what that means is the EPA, you know, talked to industry and said, again, 40 years ago, what number can you get to in water that will not cost everybody a lot of money? Just to clarify, are you saying that this was more based on, well, you said it's a feasibility standard as to whether this is feasible to deal with it at that level, not based on health? Correct. It was never a standard based on health. It was based on, at the time, how low water treatment plants and and what have you, how low the lead level could get to at that time. Okay, so why do you think that level is too high then? We have realized that there is no safe lead level. Children who are exposed at levels or have levels of lead much lower than 10 micrograms per deciliter still can develop adverse health effects in their childhood and later in life. Even children, babies, for example, who are having their formulas mixed with water and they're only getting that water, by the time they get their lead level checked at one year of age, they probably will have had elevated blood lead levels if their water had levels above or even at 15 parts per billion. Kids that are in school, they will, you know, if they continually drink a lot of water from the drinking fountains and what have you, then they will also have the risk of having elevated blood lead levels. Again, the 15 parts per billion is not a health-based standard, and it hasn't changed since we know that the lead level should be lower. Could you describe the health issues involved with concentrations of lead in children? What are the ramifications and effects of that? Most of the time, when children have elevated blood lead levels, they are asymptomatic at the time. So at one and two years of age, when we check children, they may have a little bit of hyperactivity, but it's you know hard to tease out from the terrible twos versus lead is lead. Um, as they age, we notice more cognitive difficulties, which means that they are going to have a little bit of harder time reading. They may have a little bit of harder time understanding in school. Some children do have ongoing behavior problems where attention can be a problem or just behavioral difficulties themselves. At much higher levels, children can become anemic and just because lead can interfere with how the hemoglobin is made. And even at much higher levels, children can have seizures and we have had children in the past die from elevated blood lead levels. 40 years ago, lead was in solder used for soldering joints and it was in paint and what's the relative hazard of today of lead in water compared with other environmental effects of of lead so lead is it's a obviously a metal and it doesn't go away that mean the half-life is you know thousands of years it's out there so when you put it in paint and you put it in gasoline and you put it in solder it stays there and so those materials are still present in people's homes and in the soil and in cans if you know those are around. The most common source of lead poisoning is lead-based paint in homes that were built before 1978 and you know as the paint peels off and flakes off children will eat it. Lead is sweet so kids you know actually I had one patient tell me that it tasted like cotton candy and so that's why he liked eating it. While Lead in water is not a primary source for older children, you know, one and two and three-year-old. It is the primary source for infants, and it can be an ongoing source, obviously, in all children because they drink water. So it is something that we should take seriously, in other words. 
we should definitely take it seriously and we should have been taking it seriously for over a century. Unfortunately, history has not been kind and it has led us to the point we are now where we continually put our children at risk and are reactive to the situation in that we get children's lead levels first and then we go searching for the source rather than doing the primary prevention which is needed in which we find the sources first, fix it so that we don't have any children who are getting poisoned. So if parents are concerned about content that may be in their children's blood, what do they, what do, they do for testing? Is it easy to do? Is it recommended? So parents should take their children in, uh, to their pediatrician or their healthcare provider and have this conversation with them. The healthcare provider would, you know, obviously have a, a long conversation about the multiple sources of lead that may be available to the child. Do you feel like you're kind of a voice in the wilderness, you and the American Academy of Pediatrics, or do you see more school districts being willing to enforce a lower lead level limit? Most schools are not doing anything if the lead in the water is below 15 parts per billion because that is what the standard is for the EPA and that's what they're legally required to do. I think there is recognition that they wish that they could do better, but without a lot of funding to replace the fixtures, and it's not just the fixtures. I mean, it's all the pipes that lead to those fixtures that could also be a problem. That was Jennifer Lowry, who is chair of the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Environmental Health. As Nico Savage reported, three districts, Oakland, Berkeley, and San Diego, the state's second largest district, are getting lead out of their water at lower levels than the state and federal governments require. And those are the three we know about. There may be some others, but certainly it's a handful of districts across the state, but it's a sign that it can be done. And, you know, one of the things that surprises me, John, is that I thought we had more or less taken care of this lead issue and that particularly in California, where we don't have the kind of old buildings that we have on the East Coast, that this wouldn't be an issue. What we've been able to point to is that there needs to be more transparency and certainly more testing. And now that that's being required, I think uh, this is a problem that hopefully we'll make significant progress on. There has been progress. Lead used to be in gasoline, and it used to be in paints and solder. Nonetheless, there are still spots in the state, in schools, that have high lead levels, and that's what the state law was intended to do, and it's been very effective in spotting that and requiring that schools take action. That just about wraps it up for this week in California education. Thanks to our sponsor, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation. Our producer is Shuka Kalatari. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra. We also have music from EdSource's Justin Allen. You can find us on iTunes and at edsource.org slash podcast. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.